Welcome to Escape the Earth. We are a sci-fi and fantasy podcast broadcasting from an undisclosed location within the San Antonio Public Library. We are supported by the library and by the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. So a big shout out to them. I'm Mary Elizabeth. And my other crew members today are Alyssa. Hi, everybody. And Tim. Greetings, Earthlings. Today, we are going to be talking about Rebecca Rowanhorse's favorite star. Before we get into that, though, we just want to warn everyone about a couple of things. First, there will be spoilers. We go into this assuming you have read the book, and so we aren't going to tiptoe or stutter step around anything. If you haven't read the book, hit the pause button, go read it, and come back to us. Part of our goal is to encourage people to read the books. We truly believe you'll get more out of the discussion. Second, this is geared towards adults. We're not potty mouths or anything, but sometimes the subject matter will not be for youngling ears. And those are good heads up for today because we're going to be talking about blood magic and ritualistic magic and stone magic and dream magic and whatever kind of magic you would possibly disagree with, all included in today's episode. So yeah, I tell you a little bit about Rebecca Roanhorse. We've covered Rebecca Roanhorse before. We really liked Black Sun, so we felt it was only appropriate that we continue with the follow-up to that, which is Fevered Star. Rebecca Roanhorse, according to her about page at RebeccaRoanhorse.com, is a New York Times bestselling and Nebula, Hugo, and Locus award-winning speculative fiction writer. She's also the recipient of the 2018's Astounding Award for Best New Writer. Rebecca has published multiple award-winning short stories and six novels, including two in the Six World series, Star Wars Resistance Reborn, Race to the Sun, and that was for the Rick Riordan imprint. Um, she's done two in the epic fantasy between Earth and Sky trilogy, that's Black Sun and Fevered Star, which we're talking about today. She's also wit- written for Marvel Comics and for television, and had projects optioned by Amazon Studios, Netflix, and AMC Studios. She lives in northern New Mexico with her husband, daughter, and pup. She drinks a lot of black coffee, and you can find out more about her at RebeccaWarnHorse.com. So I guess Alyssa's going to give us the synopsis of Fevered Star. I sure will. Thanks, Tim. In the aftermath of the massacre of the Watchers at Sun Rock, power structures in the Meridian are shifting. Serapio's attack on the priests of the Celestial Tower did not go as planned, leaving both himself and the Sun Priest alive. He and Naranpa now struggle with their places in society, as beings imbued with the powers of gods. Ziala, upon learning that Serapio survived, attempts to reunite with him, but before they can connect, she gets caught up with Iktan, the former priest of knives, who not only survived the massacre at Sun Rock, but is also embroiled in a political plot to bring down Carrion Crow. But the clan is not as united as it seems. Okoa, having returned to Odo with Serapio, faces tensions between the Odo Ha'a, religious fanatics loyal to the Crow God, and his sister Issa, matron of the Sky Maid clan. With political machinations that have been in the works for decades unfolding, 
the second installment of the Between Earth and Sky series draws readers even deeper into Roan Horse's enthralling fantasy world. Just for the people who haven't read the first book, if you haven't read the first book, you should really go back and read the first book because there is a lot of backstory there. Primarily, Serapio is a person who was made into a vessel for a god and essentially this was for the purpose of avenging a heinous act against his family uh, or his clan the carrion crow on the night called the night of knives when many of them were slaughtered by the priesthood the watchers his ultimate goal was to get the Sun Priestess, but by a strange twist of fate, there were some politics being played that ended up in the Sun, in a attempt on the Sun Priest's life, Priestess life before Serapio ever got there. And so, when he enacted his revenge, aka slaughtering all the Watchers the sun priestess the actual sun priestess was not there there was a usurper in her place and so she ends up still alive but you don't know that at the end of book one at the end of book one things look very dire for her too and there's a witch performing some magical rites over her as well that leads us into book two fevered star okay wait what do you guys think Oh, I'm so glad that we we decided to read the second book. It's it was it was just uh, really fascinating to see the fallout of the battle on uh, with Serapia or the Odo. Wait, what's his name? The 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 carrion Odo Cedo Odo Cedo to see his the the fallout from that when he he destroyed most of the Watchers and. Then to see Naranpa sort of gather her wits about her and gather people around her to help her come back. Although, you know, doesn't quite come back the way she thinks. Like, like, you know, to see her just sort of outside of the Watchers, outside of being just the sun priest and uh, her naivete being sort of shed, seeing that. Uh, her 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 journey through this book was really. I, I feel like this book was more centered around Naranpa, and the last one was centered more around Serapio. And I'm hoping the next one will be more about Siala and, and her journeys because I'm really intrigued by the Teak and their their powers. And it's just it's um yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense. I agree. This book definitely fleshed out the story of Naranpa. It was very complex. It also fleshed out the story of what is really going on behind the scenes. Why was Serapio imbued with the power of the crow god, the political machinations that are going on with the four different, um, the four different segments of the society that, that signed the, they have a treaty of Hokaia that was signed mm, 300 years ago and it united four different factions in the Meridian so you have the watchers at Tova, which are sun worshipers. You have the uh, the jaguar lords of Quakeola. That's the city where we first um, meet Ziala in the initial in Black Sun. You've got um, the spear maiden clans at uh, Hokaia, 
And then you've got um, the Teak in the islands. And these four different factions signed this treaty. They let the Watchers be in charge and they decided to do away with practicing magic because the magic in the world got out of hand. People got crazy. <laughs> there were dreamwalkers all over the place massacring people because they did naughty things like go and to the garden of gods and eat god flesh. And they started going crazy. So they had to settle everything down. <laughs> and that's uh that's the world we're dealing with in Meridian that um that the the major plot has been to overthrow that power that the watchers, the power and the peace of the watchers. So if can we talk about uh the character of Balam quickly? Because in the first book, you really only get the shortest glimpse of Balam, but he's obviously somebody who has power in Quekola. Um because he's able to get someone out of jail that another merchant lord wanted in jail and he again essentially makes a fool of that merchant lord when he shows up to try and stop Shiala from leaving so and Balam doesn't seem worried at all about the fact that he has spit in this person's face very publicly but then you kind of never hear from him again until this book. I had a really hard time figuring out who was the bad guy for most of the time. Because we follow Serapio and we think, oh, well, he seems pretty cool. And then you follow Naranpa and you're like, oh, well, maybe he's supposed to be the bad guy. You follow Siala and you're like, no, he's pretty cool. And maybe Naranpa is the bad guy. But then it's like very obvious. No, Balam is the bad guy. And everybody else is just being pulled by the machinations of those of those around them um like naranpa being betrayed and serapio being manipulated by his tutors and it's so that then yeah definitely at the beginning of this book is like oh no he's the bad guy Balam is not to be trusted <laughs> he's definitely behind the plot he's behind this plot to to upset the order yes yes but he's not alone no, I mean, he's no. working with Golden Eagle. He's working with um, yeah. the Sovereign in Hokaiya. There's a, there's a major plot going on to overthrow the Watchers. And they mention at one point, um, uh, you know, I think it's Pawaga and Balam are talking. And Pawaga is like, how are you going to get the Lords of Quaykola, the seven Lords of Quaykola in line? And he says, well, the Watchers were taxing them. And now all bets are off. Golden Eagle is going to drop the taxes. So they'll be in their merchant lords. <laughs> yeah yeah it was um yeah and also the other lord tune seems to also have plans <laughs> to finally see these oh these are what's been pushing and pulling things from behind the scenes from the first book yeah she wants the teak she wants the teak islands yeah yeah they're ambitious those seven lords are ambitious right the first book was really about sort of the politics of Tova, but you didn't get a great sense of how the the seven merchant lords of Quicola fit into those interactions. Here you get more of a picture of that. The uh the Quicolans are very much trying to influence the power structure in Tova. But what would be the end game of that? I thought they were they were making a bid for power. 
They want to put Golden Eagle in charge of Tova. They want to overthrow the Watchers. They want they want their own regime, really. They want magic back. They want magic because, back. Yeah. 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 I mean, Balam, the first opening scene is Balam going to this jaguar temple in the forest, slaughtering a thief so that he can get a book that teaches him how to dream walk, which is an old magic that was forbidden by the Watchers. He wants those things back. And you find out that dream walking is one of the primary gifts that people who have consumed the god flesh are imbued with. And they were using it for all sort of machinations, like they would go into your dreams and they would, you know, plant seeds of distrust between you and your allies or, you know, all all kinds of different things. You know, they could turn it into a nightmare or whatever. And it was it was just wreaking havoc with the society at all levels, which was why the magic was was done away with. Despite that, we don't see too much of it in the book. It starts with Balam getting the power, and then we see him doing some dream walking in Naranpa's dreams, and he's really trying to figure out who she is. But then we never get any dream walking again. Maybe we'll get some in book three. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's far more insidious power than, say, like the what Serapio is grappling with, because it's more straightforward. His his god, his carrion crow god. Uh, but yeah, the the dream walking is is coming at you from within your own mind, which is very creepy and evil. <laughs> and uh, let's let's talk about Naranpa a little bit too, because death has not been kind to Naranpa. I I guess you can really say that about everybody, but for Naranpa who has died and come back, and she's now carrying a power that she really can't explain and has no idea how to control. And, uh, and you're right. You've in book one, my impression of her was that she was way too naive to be in the position of power that she was in, but as being betrayed and almost assassinated will do that shatters that naivete. And she's, she's a bit harder in this book. Uh, she's a bit more realistic, and so I just wonder what you what you guys' thoughts on that are. I wouldn't have characterized her as naive. She was in the tower for 20 years, and she managed to climb all the way to the top from being a ma rat. So I think that she had some chops. We didn't see them, but she was just very idealistic about um, restoring the priesthood, really focused on that, and, and so focused on that 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 was her downfall. But when she goes back to the Maw, because that's essentially where she ends up um, going back to her family, to Dena Ochi, her brother, and her brother's uh, pocket witch, Zataya, who brings her back to life. When she ends up going back there, she does toughen. She definitely does toughen, but you get to see the roots of it. And the fact that, so she's, um, at one point she's, uh, left for dead and, and they, they wrap her in burial shrouds and they put her into uh, like a cave in the earth because that's how the, the maw, the folks in the maw bury their dead. And she wakes up and she's in the dark and there's only like a spirit meal and she's starving and she's got to crawl out of this cave and she's weak, but she does it. And then when she gets to the end of the cave and she, she hears the river below, 
she's like, crap, do I have to jump down there? But then she turns around and she sees the rope and she realized her brother left her a way to crawl out. But she, it talks about her being good at climbing. And she does, she really like, she literally pulls herself up from death, from her, from her own tomb and back into the world, which is a pretty awesome scene. Yeah. Ha, you know, she ate the spirit meal. Like if after dying and coming back and being buried for however long, could you really eat some cold rubbery chicken? I mean, if you're hungry enough, I guess, but the thought of that kind of turns my stomach. Maybe if that's you were starving, you probably would want to have something in your belly. Um, I like the that Coyote Clan is reestablished. That we 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 see that the Maw coming back together as the clan that they were rightfully before the the Watchers made the made magic go away and and were punishing them for not being with them in the Spear Maiden War. So, so I liked seeing uh, through Naranpa having that clan rejoin. This book also answers a, some other questions that we had at the end of the other one. My theory was that Ikton had killed the matron of Carrion Crow. We now know that that was the case. Ikton was also very heavily involved in plotting the golden eagle takeover but the one thing that ikton definitely did want was for naranpa to be spared what do you make of some of the new relationships that have formed in the in this uh post watcher world i really was enjoying siala ikton and ziha their relationships starting to form. Um, Cause I, I had liked Iktan until I was like, did he betray Naranpa? How could he have? And uh, from the last book and um, seeing how he reacted to the thought of her, her death was like, okay, there was a little bit of redemption for me for, for, for that character for Sir character. <laughs> um Let's see. Yeah, I think that was, I think that might have been my favorite, <laughs> Iktan's and Ciala's. I went back and read Black Sun before this and looked again at the parts with Naranpa and Iktan. And Naranpa is an unreliable narrator when it comes to Iktan. Iktan is totally in love with her, totally smitten with her the whole time. And Naranpa thinks that Iktan has another lover and has forsaken her, but Iktan's devotion is there the entire time and is really evident, I think, in Fevered Star that Iktan is still intensely devoted to Naranpa and wants to find her and reestablish relationship. And I wouldn't say Naranpa. I mean, Naranpa thinks that, you know, they reach a point as they ascend to these positions of importance that it's improper for them to have a relationship. And so Narampa's set it aside, aside as a matter of like professional ethics, but Narampa still cannot handle it when she feels that Shay has another person in their lives. She still gets jealous over it. But for Ikton, that clearly clearly is not the way 
they think of the relationship. Um, They're not really much for propriety. No. <laughs> They're like screw propriety all over the place. No. And, and that was kind that was part of what Naranpa was struggling against. She wanted to you know sort of bring the watchers back to what their original intent was and really try to bring the other the sky made clans along with them uh to involve them in that at all levels and um you know the golden eagle just was not down with that right yeah and i i think that's where when i had said her naivete earlier that's where i think i was pulling from her idea that her idealistic view of bringing all of the clans together as they should be um were they pr protecting everybody rather than uh ruling over them as so harshly they had been um yeah i really do like ikton's uh ikton and zeha the way ikton is just constantly you go legal, you you kill my friend, and I'm going to mentally torture you over it. Yeah, they really that that character. The, what is it? She, Shay, sure, <laughs> sir. <laughs> they uh, really are like keeping their enemies closer because the they've just like really they're part of their the group of people going to the whole. Hokkaido, Hokkaido. Oh gosh, well, it's a set of golden eagle folks. Yes, with yes, Ikten just, and Ziala. Mm -hmm. It's a group of officials or representatives. I'm trying to think of. There's an actual word for this type of ambassadors. <laughs> um, they ambassadors? Like ambassadors. Okay, Ikton has is inside this group of ambassadors going off to to meet up with the rest of the um the seven lords and whoever is gonna be re not re-signing a treaty but who had once signed that treaty um now that the watchers have been put asunder <laughs> they're coming together to decide i guess the delegation <laughs> it's a delegation <laughs> That's it. A part of the delegation going back to that other place. I can't remember. Hokai. <laughs> Ikton is keeping his enemies close. <laughs> do you think that he and Ziala, or they, do you think that they and Ziala are friends? Do you think that they're into Ziala. I couldn't quite figure out what their relationship is. They, they they definitely friends. seem like there's some caring there. Yeah. Or was it just that, oh, we're both screwed together. So we might yeah. as well make the best of being prisoners together. Maybe what that's think? it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's a camaraderie there. Um, and Ikton, I think, definitely thinks they can use Ziala in some way because uh, they realize the relationship she has with Serapio. Um, but I do think they eventually do come to care for Siala, like when he goes or they go to save her when she's being accosted by a group of three people at that one little village. Yeah, even even Siha, 
is is put off by people threatening her. I kind of felt like everybody wanted to sleep with Cialo. <laughs> Maybe it was just me. It was just me. That's it. <laughs> like everybody was trying to get her in the sack. Well, you know, she is kind of like a siren. <laughs> so maybe she she's, can't help it. She's pretty exotic with her plum locks. With her plum. I and know. her teak like, eyes. What does that mean? Is it her hair purple? Yeah. I was like really fascinated by that too. <laughs> I thought her hair was purple. I assumed it was plum. I, okay. I was, I was assuming the same thing. <laughs> like plum, plum, long, lustrous, curling, gorgeous. Ah, with her rainbow eyes. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. No wonder. I guess that's why. Maybe that's why I had the impression everyone was trying to jump in the sack. Maybe, yeah. Or she, and she is, of course, rather promiscuous. That's been established. Right, right. But not since she knew that Serapio was still alive. She's kind of committed herself to him. She, she is very committed to him, and they just have that moment where they're where they almost meet. Like it's just seconds away, and then Nick Tag got in the way of that Shiala showing her usual deafness of decision making follows the wrong person oh I thought it was so interesting the way the writer wrote that so that you knew that once um Serapia was in pursuit that she was already gone he's like in hot pursuit of her but with the author did not choose to build the tension that way um you know she she had already chosen to show the scene where Ziala sees the two carrying crow guards and is like, oh, guards calling my name is a really bad thing. I'd better get on this boat with the stranger. This is a safer way to go than to go back to these guards. But for once in her life, guards had good intent. And if she had gone with the guards, they would have reunited her with Serapio, which is what she wanted the whole time. <laughs> but you're right. She always makes these poor choices and ends up in these strange places, which is part of the charm of her character, I think. Yeah, I, I forgot. So she keeps referencing the man in green and and I can't for the life of me remember what happened when she used her song. The man in green and the woman in blue. Uh, so that's at the very end of Black Sun um, when the, the watchers have been murdered on Sun Rock and people are running amok and they're running everywhere and she's on the bridges and the people are are coming off the bridge and she uses her song to calm some of the people that are around her and when she calms them they get trampled to death and shoved off the bridge and so that that woman and man in green woman in blue are two of the faces that people that she remembers getting killed when she uses her song at that point in time yeah she she keeps going back to that and it was just uh i i could not remember but she really regrets using her song do you think her her song would have worked on uh, on Nikton? Oh well, there is an example of that towards the end when she's being uh, finally meeting in the in the that hall where to go and give Ikton news that Naranpa is still alive, and um, so she does event she does sing because she's scared and that Lord <laughs> Peck Petch. <laughs> he's he's like grabbing her and so she like freaks out and then she sees her mother oh my gosh <laughs> she saw her mother who i thought was like that's got to be her aunt because but no it's her mom because her mom did not die anyway so she does let out a a note and 
all of the men have died <laughs> except for Balam because uh, Lord Toon had put up a shield around them and Icton who only has like a bloody nose. <laughs> he said, and, and they say, I'm not man, not woman, <laughs> but I guess it hurts still or something like that. <laughs> Ciela always has, always has like the best sort of revelations about her story. <laughs> Like from the oh. first with her mermaidness, and then this one is like, what? Her mom is still alive. <laughs> that is the biggest twist of the story, too, when it's yes. her mom. I was come convinced. Back. <laughs> like, no, that's her mom is dead. She killed her mom. <laughs> that's what she says. That's what she yes, thinks. Yes, that's what she, she thinks, thinks. She killed her mom, which was mm -hmm. why I was so surprised. I did not see it coming for some reason. I saw the other where the other very terrible foreshadowing of Naranpa's brother when they were finally having happy moments together, it's like, oh no, he's going to die. <laughs> Did not see the mother though. <laughs> it was pretty reckless. But the way that he dies is so, oh it was man, so, oh, it's heart-wrenching. Yes. It's heart-wrenching because he gives his life for her. Mm -hmm. and, and I wasn't sure for a long time that he really cared about her. He was so tough on her. Yeah. And so in some ways mean, mm -hmm. but you realize that he's, he was either testing her or he was doing these things out of love and devotion. And that's very much realized in that last scene is it, it's in the, in the agave mm -hmm. where they're having um, where Naranpa is meeting with the heads of the sky made clans and Okoa. And um, uh, there's an attempt on her life by the. By Numa and her shield. Oh, I think that it's it's not by Numa. It's by one of the oh, well, other yeah, the, Coyote clan lords. The pa Pasco. I have that page open right yeah. now. But I think he was in cahoots with Numa. <laughs> I think so, too. He wasn't right. They did talk about how Numa was able to give him a revenge that he wanted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he made the attempt on uh, Naranpa's life and Dena Ochi takes the knife for her. Uh, that, was, that was rough. That was so rough. And then yeah. she melts him. She melted him. <laughs> she draws on her sun powers and uh, melts the heck out of him. Her, her slow revelation of her powers was really sweet throughout this whole book. It was really just um, beautiful. Chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's funny. Last time we, we recorded this, we had all kinds of technical difficulties on the Rebecca Road Horse episode. Yeah, that seemed to be a really well, um, well played episode. I'm in an interior room today, so there are no crows attacking the windows. <laughs> Just so ask I, the ambiance of the book. <laughs> so I guess that would be the big spoiler then. Uh, I mean, not not terribly much because right. it's hinted at. But the fact that Denochi dies, mm. um, Zataya tells Naranpa before before that meeting that there's nothing she can do to prevent his death. But everything right. Zataya has done is because Zataya feels beholden to Denochi. So we were talking a little bit about the escalation of Naranpa's powers. And, and, and it is done really well. She starts with just a little bit of glowing in the cave when she's coming out of her tomb. And then it moves to being able to heal Dena Ochi when he's making the pact with the other um, the other lords of the Maw. And then to the melting, face melting. But then at the very end, when she um, 
when she has her final kind of climactic encounter with Serapio, we see her change into a phoenix and she's fighting with Serapio. And you see a similar escalation of Serapio's power, although it's more throughout um, Black Sun, which you do see some of it in this book as well. There's this really, in the scene we were talking a little bit about earlier when Serapio is in pursuit of Ziala, he learns that she's close by and he's trying to get to her. He goes out into the courtyard out of Odo and um, all of the followers are gathered there and they start surrounding him. And he, when he can't get away and he gets trapped, he shatters and turns into a flock of crows and flies away. <laughs> so we see this shape-shifting in both of these um, both of these god vessels. Yes, yes. So it also leads me to believe that maybe Ziala might be a god vessel or something similar to that because of her own shape-shifting that we've already seen. Oh, Iktan kind of hints at that. He says, you know, do, do you have some kind of a god? And she's like, ah, magic. And she's like, nah, but you're right. She shapeshifts. She talks about Mother Waters and there's all this magic involved. So mm-hmm. perhaps. And do you get the sense, is there any way out of this for these characters? Because you really want to like Serapio. You really want, even though, I mean, like he just killed a bunch of people and he's he's dead set on killing the sun priest who we also kind of like um and everybody wants to use them as weapons of war what is the way out for them i don't know towards the end naranpa after their battle after naranpa and serapio's battle they kind of realize they don't want to fight each other serapio the man or the boy and Naranpa do, do not want to fight each other. It's their gods that are forcing them to do this. So I think if when okay. she leaves, he, he, she just, she says, you have to figure out these Tobins and get them all under your banner. <laughs> I'll be back later. <laughs> um, Those are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like you get these guys under control i gotta go learn my powers i'll come back <laughs> i think we'll see some really interesting uh alliances in the next book which i'm gosh i really hope she's working on right now <laughs> so what is it it's mirrored heavens isn't it i think i think she she is working and she even has a release a release date for it that is going to be the mirrored heavens is coming August 1st, 2023. Yay. That won't be too long. It'll be here before we know it. That's when we'll find out that it's not a trilogy, but a septology. Just kidding. <laughs> I think it's going to complete. I, wonder, I believe yeah. in her. I wonder if eventually she'll go back and do prequels from like the God Wars and stuff and uh, the the spear maiden war because those would be really interesting to to take a look at too the original inception of the watchers yeah, yeah. i wondered about that as well i like the idea of the spear maidens maybe coming back <laughs> that would be amazing so but don't yeah, start well, they... that yet rebecca roanhorse first <laughs> finish the trilogy that you're finish on well you know it's because the the that 
when the delegation finally <laughs> makes it to Hokai, they, instead of meeting with who they thought they were going to meet with, they meet with basically spear maidens. <laughs> we'll see. Yes, there's been a coup. A coup. Oh, yeah. They were that... going to meet with a man, and then they met with Nasut. Yeah. They'd taken uh, over. That was funny where they were like, what did you get us into, Balam? And he was like, a coup, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> So one thing we haven't touched on um, is the character of Okoa. How do you feel about Okoa? He's so, oh man, he's, he struggles, I think, so much. What did y'all think of what was going on with Okoa in this book? Oh man, yeah, he's torn. So there's just this really interesting conversation of these young men in this in these both both of these books so serapio being manipulated and by his mother and then the tutors and then okoa being sent off to go learn at the whatever college it is that they're that they send them off to and then them just not knowing their way in the world once like their mothers are gone and or once they've completed their what they thought their task was like Serapio is like I've already I did the watcher thing now what I'm still alive I shouldn't be alive it's just this um there's something there to kind of ponder on that they're they're lost their lostness <laughs> the Hokoa not knowing what to do after his mother is dead and not understanding who his sister is anymore and because he has been away for so long Hmm. Well, and he, so when he first comes back, I mean, he's, he doesn't know if his sister has had his mother murdered or not. And we do know that somebody in the great house was, was bringing information to the watchers and was concerned about the matron um, sort of, you know, giving some credence to the Odahe, right? That they they were very concerned about this group that they viewed as cultists. And so they were taking those concerns to the watchers, which ends up with Ikton killing the matron or assassinating the matron. And the reason that they did that is because they want Essa to ascend to the matronage of uh Carrie and Crow. And Okoa had gotten that cryptic letter about his from his mother basically saying, hey, yo, if something happens to me, it's probably not an accident. And so he doesn't know whether he can who he can trust or what that means at that point. Who who was after his mom, why he, he's got a lot of discovery to do at that point as well. So I really kind of, kind of feel for um, Okoa in, in that respect. Uh, he, he's not in an easy place. Oh, and he forms a relationship with Serapio as well when he takes him off of the, um, off of Sun Rock with Bananda and they go to the rookery in the very beginning of the book and he he sees this man and he realizes that Serapio is a man and a person looking for family very much alone and he develops sympathies for someone who maybe should be his enemy 
and he's really not sure where his loyalties lies. He's torn between his duty as shield captain to his sister and um, maybe his loyalty to his religion. He has relationships with um, Maka, the, who is the leader of the religious cult, the Odo, Odoha. Um, so he, he has a lot of figuring to do. And again, the whole thing that happened with his mom, what is even happening? <laughs> so he's, he's in a tough place. And then he's getting letters from Naranpa too on the side. He, he, has a, he has a lot of choices to make. And uh, he finally does, what does he decide? He finally decides that, um, he de- finally does decide to betray Serapio and to go with his sister, which I think is what leads him to go and talk with Naranpa with the other, with the other. Um, right. The other, and I uh, feel like that was yeah. a right choice to go. I feel like his sister <laughs> is, is, uh, is just causing all sorts of problems for him. <laughs> uh, like I, cause I want Naranpa, Serapio, Siala, Okoa to all be allied with each other they just seem to work well Iktan also in there maybe even like the daughters of Numa like because there there's some character like <laughs> oh, I don't Siha. love those I don't girls know. I don't love I don't, them well, no I know they are a little bit uh, silly but they're crazy uh, they are <laughs> but they're not as, they don't seem to be as conniving as Numa well maybe the older daughter I'm not quite sure <laughs> um, I don't know. Daughter there, has somebody's <laughs> eyeball cut out, Mary Elizabeth. I know. Well, she did it for Ciala because they were going to do it to her. <laughs> Ciala sung people to death. <laughs> potato, potato. Oh wait, is this the cousin of the uh, the priestess who bit the guy's yes. tongue off just so that she could taste his blood? Mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, ooh, that's crazy. Yeah, golden eagle. Lots of sanity golden happening eagle. there. What is going on there? <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's just like these these are like the ones like you would think these people could get along together. Maybe not the golden eagle people, but these other ones, Noampa and whoever, they they seem like they could get along together. They could make good decisions together. But yeah, Isa just keeps or seems to keep. It's it's like she's got old work, old world thinking of we have to be a power. We can't uh, let the watchers be mad at us again. Which you know they were almost decimated. So I can see her point of view. Well, she's embroiled in the politics of the Sky Made clans. Yeah, and when she when she takes. Um, Serapio and puts him up into that cell with the sky door and Oko is like what the heck why did you do that yeah she's like well the sky made clans would understand and he's like he's not of the sky made clans he is a a vessel of the crow god (laughs) right yeah it's like their view of playing the same game yeah it's the different game now their view of trying to play with the sky made as they have been is no longer valid because the watchers are dead (laughs) we have to start figuring this out on our own (laughs) so do we want to add do we want to do mirrored heavens also and just complete the trilogy oh yeah definitely so we should add that to our to our list you guys gonna recommend this book to anybody different not different from last time no i think i think whoever we would have re- i would have recommended it before would want to read this one too <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's a solid second book. It spends a lot of time just developing towards that third book. And when you have a trilogy, it just it has that second book feel to it where you're it's building. So not something that you would want, of course, to stand alone. But yes, definitely anyone who wants some fresh fantasy. But it doesn't feel like I mean it it builds at a good pace. So I mean it's not totally second, you know, the the book, the bridge book feeling. Uh, but it uh but it definitely has a has its own pace and and gives you a bit more of the background and answers some of the questions that were left unresolved in the uh, book before it. Yes, and and leaves you wondering others. So yeah, yeah. any anybody who likes a good fantasy read could could go into this world. Do do we think? Do you have any any final points that you want to bring up? Or no, I think we've covered it. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think so. So I'm going to go in and say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or other episodes we've done, please remember to give us a good rating. Click the heart button wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can view our book list, reviews, and suggested reads uh, on our Goodreads page. That's Sapple Escape the Earth at Goodreads. And you can write us with short stories, suggestions, random thoughts, interesting sci-fi and geek culture information at sapplescapetheearth at gmail.com. And join us next month for a discussion of Rosewater by Tade Thompson. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Escape the Escape